Here we go. The Earth Fox Podcast. Welcome to the Earth Fox Podcast. With 404. Missing link. Yeah, he's a great man, by the way. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And visit us at vox404.com. Enjoy the show. What do you think about voting? Uh, good, bad, good. I think it's good. Young and old, legal, illegal, on paper, on machine, by mail. What do you think? Uh, Felons, (laughs) non-felons. That was one that I always used to get caught up on. If you're a felon, you don't get to vote. And I, I mean... I know there's a process that you can go through to have your your felony expunged or whatever, and then you get the right to vote back and you get the mm. right to own a firearm back again. But it's very unconstitutional. Yeah. Because there's no language about that kind of stuff. Later on, we decided, oh, no, you're a felon and you don't get to vote. And you're a felon and you don't get to own a gun. And those seem... Like, I mean, I don't know about the voting thing, but the gun thing seems responsible. Yeah. Like you're a felon. Yeah. You, you broke the laws. You broke the worst laws. Yeah. Or the best laws, depending on how you look <laughs> at it. But you did a very naughty thing yeah. and now you don't get to own guns. However, yeah, that's, that makes sense. that's unconstitutional. The same thing with voting. Hmm. And there's a lot of There's a lot of problems with illegal immigration and the mail-in voting system because you know as well as I, people move, they don't change their address. Mm -hmm. They don't get their driver's license updated with their new information. So when the election comes around and they mail out the ballots in states like ours where it's just universal mail-in voting, there's no more balloting locations. Yeah. You get your ballot in the mail. You can go drop it off in person if that makes you feel good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But otherwise, it's just okay. Uh, Send it back. Here you go. I hope this makes it to the place. I mean, it's kind of a joke. Like, I really do feel like our voting system has become a joke. Because there are so many countries that do only in person, only on paper. Now, why would... If you're a politician, why would you push back against something like voter ID? What are some of the reasons that you can think of why a person would oppose voter ID? That seems kind of weird. What are some of the reasons that you can think of? I mean, nothing good. That come immediately to mind. (laughs) Go ahead. If you don't have to have an ID and you can just be whoever you want to be. Anybody could vote. Yeah. Without a voter ID. Mm Mm-hmm. And do you see a problem potentially developing? Now, I want to believe that people coming across the border who are just looking for a better life. I'm actually not Mm anti-immigration. 
I'm more anti-borders than I am anti-immigration. Yeah. I mean, what's a good thing about borders? So many people, so many conservatives, people that think a lot like I think, would hear me say that and cringe. Mm Mm-hmm. Because Donald Trump, you know, says, "Yeah, <laughs> if you don't have a border, you don't have a country." Mm-hmm. Well, what's so friggin' great about having a country? <laughs> I mean, because we have a country with a standard of living, the corporations that operate within this country send all, all of their factories overseas, where they can pay, pay people pennies. To do the work that Americans charge dollars for. Mm -hmm. If there were no borders and there was a global standard of living and a global wage standard, then these, these companies wouldn't be able to go to the most impoverished and beleaguered yeah. among us and say, Hey, I'll pay you 25 cents a day. Yeah. That's pretty messed up to build these things that we sell for $25 mm-hmm. each. But that's the world that we live in. And the people that are pushing us closer to one world government, one world society are not the kind of people that you want to be leading you. They are authoritarian tyrants. Yeah, that's not good. To put it, you know, briefly. But there was an interesting effort to lower the voting age. I think it was sometime in 2018 And I found, I just found this article from the National Youth Rights Association. I I think it's a political action committee. There's a button here that says donate. And it says the top 10 reasons to lower the voting age. So do you think that's a good idea? Do you think the voting age should stay where it's at? Or should you vote? Should you be able to vote if you're younger or should you have to wait i feel like you should have to wait you think you should have to wait beyond 18 no i think 18 is reasonable i guess i've never really put that much thought into it but i think that younger than 18 seems kind of like still a child (laughs) still like learning to do well i think if you lower the voting age you're now involving the opinions of not just the parents of the minors that are voting. Yeah, for sure. You're also now you're introducing the opinions of the school system mm. and the peer pressure of all the kids at school mm-hmm. that is all going to be behind the admiration of the people those kids spend the most time with yeah. throughout their day. Definitely. And that is the teachers and the administrators mm-hmm. who uh, unfortunately all hold basically the same political positions by design. There's a whole conspiracy theory behind that, which I would love to go into. 
But first, I have this article from the National Youth Rights Association. Top 10 reasons to lower the voting age. Number one, young people have adult responsibilities, but are denied the same rights. People under 18 are, com- are contributing and active members of society. Millions of us are employed and volunteer in our communities. Many people under 18 also have, quote, adult responsibilities, such as being the primary caregiver for an ailing family member, running a business, and making substantial financial contributions to our households. We are also capable of incredible intelligence and accomplishment. So it's putting this in the voice of one such youth that believes they need voting rights. People under age 18 have the ability to win a Nobel Prize, reach the summit of Mount Everest, conduct cancer research, become published authors, teach a graduate-level course in nuclear physics, run their own schools, work for NASA, and risk their lives to save others. If young people are capable of such a variety of amazing feats, certainly we have the capacity to vote for the candidate that best represents our interests. You know what they can't do? Enter into a legally binding contract. Mm-hmm. Rent a car. Well, and all buy those, a pack of cigarettes. All those things like <laughs> are possible, of course, and there are like really <laughs> amazing, smart young people that have made amazing accomplishments. But like, I'm pretty sure most 16 year olds don't fall under that <laughs> that category. Well, and see, it's an interesting argument that's being presented. Because the people that would ultimately be responsible for, you know, voting on this constitutional amendment to allow younger people to vote in elections, they remember what they were like when they were 16. Yeah. Maybe they have kids. Maybe they remember what their kids were like when they were 16. And hopefully that would influence their decision. That was my first thought. But the 16 year olds of today, are like the 12-year-olds of 40 years ago. And I mean, I was one of those kids. Very immature. Still immature. But you have to have some life experience. Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. 18 is too young. Yeah. What do you know about uh, Vivek Ramaswamy? Nothing. (laughs) I know. I'm sorry. Put you on the spot. We're in the middle of a national identity crisis. Faith, patriotism, and hard work have disappeared, only to be replaced by new secular religions like COVIDism, climatism, and gender ideology. We hunger to be part of something bigger than ourselves, yet we cannot even answer the question of what it means to be an American. Today, the woke left preys on that vacuum. They tell you that your race, your gender, and your sexual orientation govern who you are, what you can achieve, and what you're allowed to think. This is psychological slavery, and that has created a new culture of fear in our country that has completely replaced our culture of free speech in America. And that is why today, I am announcing my run for President of the United States. So Vivek Ramaswamy thinks he wants to be president. And he'd be one of the youngest, maybe the youngest. I think he's 37. Mm. 
And I think that would make him, I don't know, he's, he's right up there with JFK. You know, John F. Kennedy was one of the youngest mm-hmm. presidents that we ever had. But Vivek Ramaswamy thinks that the voting age should be raised to 25. Okay. And if you want to vote before you're 25, then you should have to pass a civics test. Mm. How does that strike you? It's an interesting idea, right? Yeah. Gosh, I don't know. Do you think that... I mean, I guess the people that wanted really wanted to vote would go take the test. I was going to say, do yeah. you think that people would even do that? I guess the, the people that want to vote would do it. Well, science says that your brain is still developing. Yeah. Until you're 25. And that's probably, I mean, I don't know if that's an overestimation. Like if some of us are fully developed at 23, 24, but all of us are developed by 25, mm-hmm. or if 25 is like the median and some are a little bit earlier, some are a little bit later. Yeah. But he's trying to correct this trend that keeps people like Nancy Pelosi and Dianne Feinstein in office until they're basically dead and can't function. I mean, Dianne Feinstein is a straight-up dementia patient. Mitch McConnell basically just had a stroke on camera. Well, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, We're on a path to finishing the NDA uh, this week. It's been good bipartisan cooperation and a string of And he's just staring off into space. It's frozen. It almost looked like his mouth was, the corner of his mouth was starting to droop, like, while he was still coherent. Yeah, he didn't, he didn't look okay at all. And now they're asking him if he's okay. He, he doesn't know, he doesn't know what happened. He doesn't know where he is. Let's go back to It's terrible. Sad. Yeah. But at the same time, why won't he resign? I don't know. That's a good question. And Dianne Feinstein. So, so Mitch McConnell is, was the Senate majority leader during the Trump administration. Like the number one senator. And he is... Wait for it. Well, he was born in 1942, so do the math. (laughs) He's old. Do you think that that has something to do with it? Like old age? You know how sometimes older people get really like... I mean, they're kind of confused, but they're also like very stubborn. Yeah. People are telling them like you should maybe... (laughs) Or are people like telling him the opposite well i think mitch mitch mcconnell specifically is arrogant 
he's also in a difficult position because of his his wife is Chinese. And her family still lives in China. So this means that the Chinese Communist Party can use her to get to him. Hmm. Under the threat of basically ruining, because her, her family and Mitch McConnell's family, by extension, owns a huge shipping company, like giant tanker ships that traverse the P- Pacific. Mm-hmm. And the Chinese Communist Party is a totalitarian regime. So if they decide that Mitch McConnell's wife's family doesn't get to do business anymore, then that's it. Yeah. Now, whether they would or would not do that is, I mean, it's all hypothetical. But they have the capability. And they are our number one adversary, to put it lightly. But I think not only that, but there's also people, no doubt, in Mitch McConnell's circle that are using his deteriorated state to their own advantage. Yeah. Without a doubt. Because those are who politicians are. Not all of them. Yeah. I'm sure there are a small handful of senators and Congress people that believe in doing the right thing, believe in serving the people and mm-hmm. governing their way that they're supposed to. But I think most of them either got into politics or learned shortly after entering politics that the game is to enrich yourself for as long as you can. Yeah. And if you're lucky, you'll be a 90-year-old senator (laughs) or congressman because there's no term limits for these people. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. So ignorant people can go into the voting booth, which is like an antiquated term now. There's no voting booths. Mm -hmm. You just get a thing in the mail. And they can mark Republican all the way down. Because they want the Republicans. And if the incumbent happens to be a Republican, then they get elected over and over and over and over again until they can no longer speak. Yeah, that's not good at all. I mean, I heard one person's argument, because there's arguments now, you know, like, I mean, there probably have been for a long time, that there should be an age limit. Yeah. For re-election. Because... I mean, who, how, how many places do you think would hire Mitch McConnell at 81? Yeah, not many places. How many people would have hired Mitch McConnell 10 years ago when he was 71? And he's been in the Senate since 2007. And the leader of the Republican conference. The right thing to do would say, I'm resigning. Yeah. But, I mean, 
do you think, I mean, based on the position that he's in, do you think he even really has a choice? Do you think he's even aware of his condition? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe not. That's what I was saying about just old age. Like, they get stubborn, they get confused, they don't realize that they have something going on. I think stubbornness is big. And they're stubborn, yeah. They're, they, I mean, they've been the elder, mm-hmm. the all-time elder for a long time, you know, demanding deference and respect. Well, they don't want to let go of their, you know, of that. Well, and they've been living in this world where they are the authority. They're the oldest. Mm-hmm. They, they know what's best. Yeah. And I mean, I don't even know. I, I know nothing about Mitch McConnell. But I don't even know if he's the kind of person, I mean, do his, does his staff fear him? Is he a big jerk? Are they all afraid to say, hey, need to go to the doctor? <laughs> I mean, he probably did go to the doctor. He probably yeah. went straight to the doctor. Yeah, probably after that one. Well, what does that doctor say? I think it's time to retire, Mitch. And then what's he going to say? No. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah. I got two more years or three more years. Here's this article that just came out from Reuters. Top U.S. Senate Republican McConnell to stay in post through 2024 election. This came out three days ago. Top U.S. Senate Republican Mitch McConnell plans to remain in his leadership post through the 2024 elections, a spokesperson said on Friday two days after the minority leader froze up for about 21 seconds while speaking to reporters. And I want to know how long would that freeze have persisted if somebody didn't step in and go, Hey buddy, he wasn't, he didn't say anything even when they, but imagine being him, imagine being him up there. Suddenly your brain doesn't work. I mean, who knows what was happening in his brain? Yeah. At a certain point, like you switch back on and what do you do? Do you? I mean, I would think something, right? He can't be like have stage fright at this point. No, He's certainly been doing not. For a hundred years. I mean, we so all I heard. Would it. Assume he would come back on and say something if he was able to come back on and say something. He didn't look like he was coming back on. Well, it took his man to grab his elbow and Take hey, hey, you okay, Mitch? Yeah. You know what's? Uh, is, was there anything else you wanted to say? Yes. A pretty smooth cover. I mean, yeah. he, he was trying. He made yeah. an effort. I mean, nobody was going, call 911! Yeah. You know, like, he didn't go down, but it really did look... Yeah, he didn't look good. I mean, it, like, like I said, it looked like the side of his mouth was drooping mm-hmm. right as he started talking. I think there needs to be legislation. We can't keep putting these people back. What, what really needs to happen is term limits. We can't let the same people get elected over and over and over with no end in sight, especially not with such a chintzy election system. And if you don't pay attention, you have no idea. Yeah. There are so many issues and it's large, it's, it's largely covered up. If you like, uh, Carrie Lake 
Do you know who Carrie Lake is? Nope. Ever heard the name Carrie Lake? No. No, no nothing. Nope. And that's for good reason. I was thinking about this today. How much time do you put, how much time do you spend on social media? I have no idea. Ballpark it. I have no, I mean, I don't like really. An hour a day, two hours a day, 10 hours a day. Not even an hour a day. Like I'm on there. Maybe I'll be like watching a video or something, but I'm not like just scrolling through Facebook. See, this is an interesting aspect of social media and, and like the dissemination of information because it's all I hear about. And I get my information from a variety of sources. And I experience it myself, the suppression of content, the suppression of ideas, the control of information. Carrie Lake was the candidate for uh, governor of Arizona in 2022. And it was a terribly conducted election. I'm not going to say it was stolen, but it sure doesn't look like everything was on the up and up. Hmm. Especially when you dig into things like signature matching on all the mail-in ballots. You know, you fill the ballot out, you put it in the envelope, you got to sign it, then you put it in another envelope, and that's supposed to be, like, they're supposed to match the signature. Because mm-hmm. when you sign at the DMV, yeah, that goes on your license, that's your signature that they have on file. The Secretary of State has that information. The Secretary of State conducts the elections. And that's another thing about the election in Arizona. Carrie Lake's opponent, the Democrat candidate for governor, was the Secretary of State in Arizona, responsible for running the election. Do you think she recused herself and appointed someone else to run the election? No. She ran the election herself and apparently damned the impropriety. Hmm. Like, how could you do that? How could you expect people to trust you to do the right thing yeah. when that's how you behave as the Secretary of State? Nevertheless, Katie Hobbs is her name. Quote, won the election, unquote, and has been obstructing Carrie Lake's efforts to have a sensible investigation. Hmm have judges hear her case. And, and that's the thing. That's the thing with these chintzy elections. The person that uh, manipulated the circumstances to their advantage ultimately becomes the person who wins and now has all the power. Mm-hmm. And this is one of my big criticisms against Donald Trump. After the 2020 election, he claimed it was stolen, but then he did nothing. Hmm. He didn't fire anybody. I mean, maybe he did, but it wasn't publicized. One of his, one of his people said it was the most secure election in history, Hmm. which was later revealed to be completely bogus. Oh yeah. But when you have people not paying attention and when you have a, and like and more sensible personalities 
say that it wasn't actually due to fraud in the traditional sense of fraud. It was more due to the fact that the Democrats were prepared. Most of them, most of the Democrat governors and Democrat uh, secretaries of state changed the voting laws illegally, by the way, to compensate for COVID. All of these states and counties across the country changed their rules to allow everyone to vote by mail, no matter their situation, because COVID was the excuse for everything shitty that happened and has happened in the last three, three and a half years. But no one would look at it. And Trump just handed the country over to these people, and now they have all the power. And, and look at their kids. Look at Joe Biden's kids. What do you know about Hunter Biden? Um, he likes to do drugs. And? That's about all I know. <laughs> he likes to shoot video of himself doing drugs and a lot of other disgusting things. Mm. What does that say about his parents? Have you heard about Ashley Biden? No. Have you heard about the part of Ashley Biden's diary where she talks about showers with her dad, the president? <laughs> oh, we got to find that. So I have an alleged screenshot from Ashley Biden's diary, and it starts, it, it, it's cut off partway through a sentence. But I'm just going to start at the top and read down. It's only a few lines. It starts, the sentence partway through reads, grade and showing the boys my underpants, hypersexualized at a young age. What does this do to? Was I molested? I think so. I can't remember specifics, but I do remember trauma. I remember not liking the Woolzak's house. I remember somewhat being sexualized with Caroline. I remember having sex with friends at a young age. Showers with my dad. Parentheses, probably not appropriate. Being turned on when I wasn't supposed to be. And that's where it ends. So what you know... How do they know this is her diary? It's been authenticated. I don't know that that was from the diary, but that story has been authenticated. That she took showers with her dad and that it wasn't appropriate. Oh, like she said that? So here's what happened with the diary. Apparently, this diary was left behind by, or I should say allegedly, this diary was left behind at a halfway house or some sort of care facility mm -hmm. that Ashley Biden stayed at. So the people that originally found, I think, I think the diary was found, the people held on to it, and then it was sold to a group of people that then turned around and tried to sell it to uh, James O'Keefe, who is an investigative journalist, like an undercover journalist. Uh, he's basically like a superhero. Mm -hmm. No joke. And he, so he accepted it, and said, I have to authenticate this. He authenticated it to be Ashley Biden's diary. I don't know what the process was. 
I'm just telling you what I know. And then he decided he wasn't going to do it. It didn't meet his journalistic standards. He didn't mm-hmm. feel right about it. Yeah. And he tried to give it back. Mm. The people that gave it to him said, no, we don't want that back. Which is very telling, in my opinion. So he turned it into, oh, I'm blanking. He didn't give it to the federal government. He gave it to local law enforcement. And then all hell broke loose for him. Hmm. The FBI showed up at his house like, like, year, like two years later. Because this is all, you know, the news cycle had to catch up. And this is kind of old news. I don't bring it up because it's late breaking, but because this makes a statement about what kind of a person Joe Biden is. Because what's the first thing? I mean, the first thing that I think when I'm dealing with misbehaved, I mean, not even dealing with, when I'm witnessing misbehaved children or misbehaved dogs. <laughs> Those kids have bad parents. Yeah. Those dogs have bad owners because they don't teach. They didn't, they didn't raise their kids to be good people because that's what parenting is. You're teaching your child to be a good adult. Mm -hmm. You're teaching them how to be an upstanding citizen. So what does it tell you about Joe Biden? That these are his kids? A crackhead, John, that films himself, basically films pornography, starring himself. (laughs) Films himself weighing out crack on the scale, smoking crack with hookers, smoking crack while doing 175 in a souped-up Porsche through the highways in the desert. The guy that raised him, he's running the country right now. Mm-hmm. No big deal. And the media is happily covering for him. Did you, did you hear the story about the laptop? Did you hear anything about Hunter Biden's laptop? I think so, but I don't Three. remember if it was from you or... It probably was. So just before the election in 2020, this story about Hunter Biden's laptop comes out. Apparently. The smartest man Joe Biden knows, according to him, brought his broken laptop to a repair shop in Delaware and then never came back and picked it up. So according to the contract that Hunter Biden signed when he dropped the laptop off, of which there are copies showing his signature, once he failed to pay for and pick up his laptop, it became the property of the shop. Now, I'm not 100% clear on the details, but this computer repair shop owner got into the material, saw what was on there, saw how inappropriate it was, and tried to alert the authorities. When it made its way to the press, three days after it was known, that this laptop existed, that it belonged to Hunter Biden, that there was all kinds of damning criminal content. Three days after, 
51 intelligence experts all signed a letter lying and telling the public that this was a Russian disinformation campaign and that we shouldn't, we shouldn't believe it. After Biden was elected, the information came out that this actually was authentic. It did belong to Hunter Biden. It was him all along. He did these things. A poll was done. And 10% of the people polled said they would not have voted for Joe Biden if they had known that the laptop was actually authentic and not Russian disinformation as these lying bureaucratic bastards told all of us and the media happily distributed around the world. So it's not effective enough, in my opinion, to just say, ah, you need to be a little bit older. Although I think that would help. It's not good enough to say you need to be a little bit older to vote when there is an enormous, unstoppable media machine run by the globalist elite Mm -hmm. that is trying to control the way you think. Yeah. And this is one of the reasons that I don't spend... Well, do you consider YouTube to be social media? Um, Well, for God's sake, the pugs. Kind of. I mean, I guess it kind of is in that... And, like, anybody can put a video up there yeah. and anybody can interact with it. Yeah. I don't think it's, it's kind of funny. I don't think YouTube wants to be considered social media. I think YouTube wants to be a streaming platform. And I think that's one of the big reasons that they started waging war against content creators that wanted to talk about stuff like flat earth. Oh yeah. What do you think about the flat earth? I don't, I mean, I've never really thought about it (laughs) i mean it's ridiculous right Uh, yeah i I mean but it's really interesting so some of these guys they take themselves very seriously of course um they have an answer for everything yeah and i like to engage on that level because i like to listen to what they say and i like to listen to the arguments that they make But what I find even more interesting is the timing. 2020, 2018. Suddenly, the flat earthers are rearing their heads. Like, what is that about? Where where did these people come from? How did they get catapulted into the spotlight? I don't know. I mean, of course, we don't believe it. I don't even know if the people, if, if, if the supposed experts on, on the flat earth theory. Believe it? <laughs> well, yeah, because <laughs> I haven't dug into it enough to really get a big picture on who these people are and where they come from. But that's all kind of inconsequential to my argument, which is why is it now like 
who's shining light on it and why? Yeah, I don't know. Well, I think it's because a lot of these people, a lot of the people that believe in flat earth also believe in a lot of other things and have a lot of other opinions about people like Donald Trump and Joe Biden. And I think that most likely their beliefs don't jive with the approved narrative. Well, if they don't so jive they with can, the approved narrative, then why are they suddenly being heard? Because they can use their belief in the crazy nut job things to discredit every other thing that that group of people believes. Things like child sex trafficking and I don't know, the CIA's involvement in the assassination of JFK. Which probably didn't make its way into your social media feed either, did it? Uh, no. Let's hear a little bit from Tucker on the matter. It starts with uh, talking about Mike Pompeo, the former Secretary of State under Donald Trump and the former director of the CIA. We asked Pompeo to join us tonight, and though he really turns down a televised interview, he refused to come. We hope he will reconsider. In the meantime, we are happy to be joined tonight by New York Post columnist Miranda Devine. Miranda, thank you so much. She's a good journalist. I don't think we've paused long enough to consider what this means. After 60 years, when every person involved is dead, we can't see classified information about a, maybe the pivotal event in modern American history. And now we know why. The assassination of JFK. Well, Tucker, look, you've laid it out really well. And, uh, you know, oh, she's from Dan it and used that. to be that conservatives like me dismissed uh, theories from the left about JFK's assassination the as left. just left-wing conspiracy theories. But <laughs> over time, uh, I think that the left looks as if they were quite justified in not trusting yes. the intelligence services. And I think the WMD pretext for the Iraq war was a red pill, a slowly dawning red pill for me. Um, and so now you just have to look just... Do you know what that means? Mm -mm. Red pill? It's from the Matrix. Remember oh, when, yeah, when, yeah. when Morpheus and Neo meet for the first time yeah. in that hotel room or whatever? He says, you can take the blue pill. Yeah. You wake up in the morning and it'll be like none of this ever happened. Or you take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Mm -hmm. It's not ver verbatim, but I think I did pretty good. So if you're red-pilled, you're awake. Mm -hmm. If you're blue-pilled, you're a Democrat. Just on, on a really basic level, you just look at the fact that 30 years ago, Congress, in a unanimous, bipartisan, uh, unequivocal, unambiguous decision, said that these all the JFK files have to be made public. Absolutely no reason to keep them back. As you say, it's almost 60 years ago. Everybody involved is dead. You're not worried about sullying uh, reputations or unmasking a spy overseas. No, there, there can only be two reasons for it. One is that you're trying to protect the CIA against... Um, 
allegations or, or revelations that it knew more than it made out about Lee Harvey Oswald. It had a huge file on him. They were investigating him or, or in, connect, in, in contact with him before the assassination and they didn't do enough to save JFK or protect the president. But, but you know, is that enough to really keep this secret going for 60 no. years? I mean, no. the terrible dawning recognition is that really this is about, as you said, protecting the institution. If the CIA was involved in that assassination, that is the if. reason that you would want to keep that from the American people, because the fury that would erupt, and this is a bipartisan fury, it'd be the one thing that That's would right. unite Americans, is an absolute rage at this unaccountable spy agency that is, uh, has decided that it is going to get involved in murdering, assassinating the duly elected American president? For what reason? Um, you know, there would be such a clean out of the CIA. I don't know if it would even survive. And so the trust in our institutions is already at rock bottom. I think it's a mistake for Mike Pompeo not to come on your show because all this does is fuel more conspiracy theories. The truth is the best disinfectant. And if the CIA did do this, was involved 60 years ago, then it needs to come clean. We need to have a reckoning. And just to be clear, that was the assessment of someone we spoke to who was directly and personally familiar with the contents of these documents. It's not someone who read it on the internet. This is someone who had access to the documents. And I have to say, I don't understand, and I agree with you, secrecy abets evil. And the more secrecy you have, the more evil you're likely to have. Um, so we should minimize the amount of secrecy as a general matter. But I don't understand how John Brennan can go on NBC News every day. He was on today. And no one pauses and asks, like, what is this exactly? 60 years, really? And don't give me the sources and methods BS, by the way, son. Like, we're, we're adults here. What's the real reason? Why does no one ask him that? Because that's what they all say. Whenever they're, whenever any of these intelligence scumbags are dragged in front of con, in front of Congress, and you know they put the screws to them and say, "Tell me about this, tell them about that," and they go, "Oh, uh, Congressman, I can't disclose sources and methods. I can't comment on an ongoing investigation." They basically just get up there and plead the fifth, and we have to continue not knowing what the people we pay with our tax dollars. This is all financed by the money that they take directly out of your paycheck. We're left in the dark about what they're actually doing. Hmm. Well, uh, the more we see characters from the CIA, like John Brennan, like those 51 former intelligence officials who signed that scurrilous letter about Hunter Biden being Russian disinformation, uh, the, more, the, the less impressive they look. These people are in the shadows for a reason, because if you actually saw who they were, look at John Brennan. Would you, knowing what we know now about him, would you really entrust him uh, to run the, the country's premier spy agency? John Brennan was the CIA director under Obama. Mm. To have such power to run around the world intervening in other countries' elections? No. So uh, I, I, I just don't know what good it does us to have those kind of malevolent people having so much power and using it in our name and causing us all great harm because we don't know what they're doing. That's right. Transparency can fix it. It's the only thing they can. And I appreciate your assessment tonight. Marina Devine of The New York Post, thank you.
Well, and we're learning about all of this. I mean, it's all out in the open. And that's largely thanks to Donald Trump, the events from January 6th, and the continued persecution of Donald Trump and his family by this Department of Justice and the intelligence agencies associated with the Department of Justice and and the CIA. If not for Donald Trump, I think we just continue being blissfully ignorant. And I mean, this video came out seven months ago, yet two weeks ago, Biden decided again to not fully release all of the JFK documents from 60 years ago. Those people are all dead. Hmm. If those documents don't contain evidence of impropriety by the intelligence community, what do they contain? Yeah. And it's all been confirmed. The CIA assassinated an American president. Would you like to know why? Why? John F. Kennedy didn't want to go to war in Cuba. Mm. So the Defense Department put together Operation Northwoods. And I have this from Wikipedia. Operation Northwoods was a proposed false flag operation that originated within the U.S. Department of Defense in 1962. The proposals called for CIA operatives to both stage and commit acts of terrorism against American military and civilian targets, blaming them on the Cuban government and using it to justify a war against Cuba. The possibilities detailed in the document include the remote control of civilian aircraft, which would be secretly repainted as U.S. Air Force plane. A fabricated, quote, shootdown of a U.S. Air Force fighter aircraft off the coast of Cuba, the possible assassination of Cuban immigrants, sinking boats of Cuban refugees on the high seas, blowing up a U.S. ship and orchestrating terrorism in U.S. cities. The proposals were rejected by President John F. Kennedy. And I think it was three days before his assassination, he made a speech. It was actually seven days before his assassination. John F. Kennedy said, quote, There's a plot in this country to enslave every man, woman, and child. Before I leave this high and noble office, I intend to expose this plot. Explose it. And he also made other quotes about breaking the CIA and other intelligence agencies into a thousand pieces and scattering it to the wind. And it was kind of weird. The day of, I think, his assassination, almost as if he knew it was coming, almost as if he knew that he had really pissed off the military-industrial complex. He holds a speech in Fort Worth, Texas, and goes on and on about all these great weapons of war that are being made in Texas and how we're going to use them to crush our enemies. As if to say, I'm sorry that I wouldn't go along with your false flag plan to go to war with Cuba. Please don't assassinate me. But it didn't work. They assassinated him anyway. And then they assassinated his brother. And now 
Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is trying to run for president, and he's talking about all the same things. What did you think of RFK after you listened to that interview that he did with Joe Rogan? Oh, I mean, that was a pretty interesting interview. He has a lot of interesting things yeah. to say. Mm-hmm. Dangerous things. Yeah, I'm sure. Couldn't you imagine? Mm-hmm. Because I don't think it's the military industrial complex. I mean, maybe it is. But I know the pharmaceutical industrial complex is up there in wealth and power as well. And that's who he's been at war with among other entities. I mean, they killed his dad for crying out loud. Is he just gonna... I mean, the courage that a person has to have and the, the official narrative is that this, this I think, uh, Pakistani guy, Sirhan Sirhan, was, a, was security detail and was the person that actually shot and killed RFK. But there are many conflicting reports. And RFK himself doesn't believe that Sirhan Sirhan is the guy that actually killed his father. Hmm. I don't know if he believes that Sirhan is innocent. I think he thinks that he should be out of, let out of prison. I think actually he just came up for parole and was denied. Uh, But he claims, Sirhan Sirhan claims to have no knowledge, no memory of what happened. Hmm. But it's interesting, like one of the most curious aspects of the investigation was that the kill shot, the one that killed Robert F. Kennedy, was at point-blank range, held close enough to his head so that the powder from the cartridge burned the skin. And Sirhan Sirhan wasn't that close. So there's a lot of mystery surrounding the deaths of these very prominent politicians. And the evidence points, at least in the case of John F. Kennedy, to our intelligence agencies. Hmm. So if the intelligence agencies can kill the president, the leader of the free world, who's really in charge? We'll have to save that for next time. Because we're spent, mm-hmm. aren't, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Thank you for doing this with me. You're welcome. I love you. Love you too. And thank you all very much for listening. Go to Vox404.com and reach out to us there. Read all of our blogs. And most importantly, listen to the next episode. We will be back.